It's tip-off time. The line, the jam! Welcome to ESPN Chicago's Fast Break with Jay Hood and Chris Black. Throws it to win it! Listen on your phone through the ESPN Chicago app on FM at 100.3 HD2 and on AM at ESPN 1000. Watch the show on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago. Now here are your hosts, Jay Hood and Chris Black. Hey, it's Fast Break, the podcast edition. I'm Chris Black along with Jonathan Hood. You can hear Jonathan weekday morning, 7 to 10, right here on ESPN 1000. I'm Chris Black. You can hear me. Weeknight, 6 to 8. It's Black and Abdal. It's Captain Jay Hood. And we also talk basketball together. And Jonathan, we have a NBA Finals series set for Thursday night, game one. The Golden State Warriors will host the Boston Celtics. We've made it. It's time for the finals. Well, who's more worn out? You and I watching uh, the NBA playoffs into the finals or the players, right? What do we continue to hear? We continue to hear that players need more time off to rest themselves for a playoff stretch. And we're just watching teams drag their bodies up and down the floor, Chris. And as a modern NBA fan, I understand the technology is such in which, yes, there are certain times where players need to have off to rest their body, but that's not helping in the playoffs because we're seeing teams here, especially the Final Four, into the finals now. They're just barely getting up and down the floor. It, it looks like the big three. And, and does it to you? That's what it looks like. Yeah, and, and you see yeah. the big three, right? Just like, oh yeah, you know, like like uh, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf barely getting up the floor. Joe He's Johnson like, falling out, <laughs> fifty years old. You know, so so do, does it to you? Um, you and I love the NBA, and that's why we talk to each other on this podcast. That's why we uh, we fight for this show. This is why we we do so much uh, NBA conversation on on our two respective shows, yeah. Cap and J Hood and Black and Abdallah. Uh, to me, the playoffs haven't been that great, uh, and and like this, the, I'm not giving you, I'm not serving up a hot take. It's just the amount of blowouts and the amount of games that were decided early third quarter without the balance late in the fourth quarter. You know, I'm I'm watching these games, but there's a lot of blowout city uh, in the playoffs, and I think uh, one of the writers, like Zach Cram from The Ringer, had the stat that like actually 2016 had more blowouts to this point, but we remember the finals because the 2016 NBA finals was, was one of the all time great matchups between the Warriors and the Cavs. So for all of what I'm saying is to this point, I don't think the playoffs have been particularly great, but the finals can change our perception over the last two months. If we have a fantastic finals matchup, I would agree with you, and I can say this in a safe space on Fastbreak. I couldn't say this on NBA radio, of course. <laughs> but, but the safe space that is Fastbreak, uh, honesty compels me to tell you that this has been awful. It's, it's just been bad. And I, um, I just got this feeling, Chris, as you and I both have the NBA package, when we can watch an isolated game, and if a team gets off to a quick start in the first half, it's about a wrap, right? I mean, it's just yeah. like, yeah, we'll get you next time. And I feel like there's a lot of, well, we'll get you next game if we don't win this one. First half, if we, you, if we get blown off the floor, that's all right. You know, we can survive for another game. And I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't, I don't like that in the NBA, but I certainly don't like that in the playoffs. The feeling of, yeah, you know what? All good. We'll just get you next time. 
I think a microcosm of that is that Suns Pelican series in a lot of ways too. And then you get to the point where it's like, yeah, you know what? If we struggle, we'll be able to come. I mean, the Suns could not come back in their last game, right? I mean, in their last game that they played, they yep. got blown off the floor. Right. And I just I saw this in the Raptors 76er series some too. You just can't just feel like, ah, next game. Because you can't take it for granted. There's teams that will have momentum that will beat you down, and then you won't be able to come back. So I, I, I just look at the playoffs usually as, okay, if a team gets off to a 10- or 15-point lead, they've earned it. You've got to make sure the team earns it. There's just a lot of, you know, let them go down the lane, let them shoot open threes. You cannot play regular season basketball in the playoffs, and that's I think, is the reason why that we've seen so many blowouts and lopsided games. You know, part, part of it to me is the variance of the three-point shot as well. You know, you, you, like what you just described I think is perfect because in my head, when you go into a playoff game, it's almost as if you're in like an action movie and mm-hmm. you're fighting for your life. And, and I'm not trying to trivialize that, but like if you're in an airplane, like you're on Air Force One and sure. with Harrison Ford, like now the objective is you need to live and you need to create every option available to keep yourself safe. And like in playoff series, in playoff games, I feel as if, Teams have let go of the rope because they feel as if they can fight for another day instead of holding on to that dear uh, privilege of, of winning the game that's in front of them in that moment. And, and so, like, you, what, what you're describing is a way of basketball to keep every game close, to give yourself self a shot in the end. But, but really what we've seen in these playoffs is that teams go out, and if they don't have it, they just pack it in. They say, okay, maybe, maybe tomorrow. You know, yeah. Jim, Jimmy Butler is like the one player in the playoffs yeah. who has given it his all each and every night to try and fight for that next day. And I don't know, maybe my, maybe I should have workshopped my, my analogy, but the way my brain works is that in NBA, in playoff situations, it's like sudden death. And you should never take for granted that maybe there's another game, even yeah, if there's time yeah. in the series. And like yeah. the, the, I found the stat. This is from Zach Cram from uh, The Ringer. Uh, now, this stat was from a week ago, so I don't know how the, the final of the the Heat in Celtic series factors into this statistic, but uh, 18% of games this postseason were decided by 25-plus points or more, okay? 18%. The record was in 2016 at 23% of the playoff games were complete blowouts, 25 points or more. Uh, but then he follows up. He goes, we remember the 2016 playoffs because we had the amazing finish with Golden State and Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, that was, remember, uh, Game 6 Clay when he what, he went for like 37 or 41 against Oklahoma City in Game 6 on the road. Mm-hmm. And he kept them in that game. And then also uh, the Cavs and the Warriors had a incredible final series. So, you know, the stats point to this is one of the, the postseason's that the games have been blowouts. I wonder if it's variants. I wonder if it's what you were saying that like teams just think, yeah, we'll we'll figure it out for the next game. And and you know, there's more time in this series. When you gave a couple examples where where there was no more time for Phoenix to figure it out. Yeah, you you just again you get this in the regular season sums like you know it's just not our night. But but I just think that there are some players and there are some coaches that just 
look at the numbers and they look at the amount of chances that you have to win, especially in a, in a series, Chris, and they're just like, you know what, YOLO. Like, it's just not, it's not working for us. We'll just wait till the next time. And, it, and that light just doesn't come on uh, for some teams. And uh, I just think that there's some teams that took it for granted. And I think that that's just bad for the NBA and it's bad for us as NBA fans because you expect the postseason to be competitive. All that BS that you did in the regular season where you shot under 30%, the other team was uh, was blistering from three. You can't just look at it as a, the opposition and say, well, they're just shooting better than us, so we'll just pack it in. That's not what the playoffs are. From a coaching standpoint, that's early timeouts. If you have any adjustments to make, if you have to go deeper in your bench, which is something that you don't usually do in the playoffs, then you've got to do that. Uh, but I, I don't like the, the idea that you watch a game and teams like, yeah, yeah, it's all right. We've got game four. We've got game five. We'll get them at our place. We'll get them at their place. No, no. I expect the playoffs to be a lot more competitive, and this has not been good for the league. I, and by the way, everybody that's listening, you could tell that Chris watched Top Gun Maverick because he just made, like, airplane references or whatever. So you could tell. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah so clearly Chris has watched <laughs> Top Gun Maverick yes. as he tried to – Guys, it it tried yeah, well, to um, to hide it with Harrison Ford. Uh, Harrison Ford thoughts. Yeah, but clearly it, that's a movie. Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, yeah. To it, do. Right, like like if I really wanted to cowherd this, I would have came in and gone, hey, Pete Mitchell, Maverick, hey, <laughs> hey, yes. Stephen Curry, I hey, changed the game. Hey, still can get it done. Hey, Maverick at the end, only one that could get it done. Steph Curry still there, still standing. Star, the star superstar. The herd. Uh, West Coast. Uh, best Coast. <laughs> Love Coast. Uh, can I give you one more stat uh, about, our, our, <laughs> about the uh, NBA Finals? Sure. Here, here's the other thing to take away. We've had all these blowouts. Yeah. Uh, Mark Stein today writes in his daily newsletter, do you know that this is going to be our worst champion since 2006? What's that mean? So what, what does that mean? So last year, right, we had a shortened season. Uh, last year's champion, the Milwaukee Bucks, in a normal year, they would have the equivalent to 52 wins, which you would say, ah, that's, that's pretty good. Most NBA champions are at least teams that get to 57 wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, not since the Miami Heat beat the Dallas Mavericks in 2006, the Heat had a record of 52-30. and 30. Mm-hmm. Golden State comes into the series at 53 wins. Boston comes into the series at 51 wins for the regular season. Most NBA champions win at least 57 games. Both of these teams in the finals, whoever wins this, will have the fewest team wins in a regular season since 2006. What do you think that says about the league? What does it say about the um, maybe um, appetite for this series and, and the national attention it will get? And then also... You mentioned uh, it being bad for the league, all the blowouts. Well, is it good or bad that two teams that heading into the playoffs, you could argue statistically would not become champions, are now facing off in the NBA Finals? Well, I think that we can look at today's you know modern-day basketball and see that there are players that do sit out and that there is not this, this force to be able to win 70 games anymore or 72 games anymore. I think that that's something to look at. We could really take a look at 
these teams uh, carefully, Chris, and say how many times did Clay sit out you know, on the back-to-back on the road? How many times did Steph Curry sit out, you know, Draymond Green, Wiseman, all these guys, and find out how many games they had off? And same thing with the Celtics, too. Um, from the Celtics' standpoint, we've documented this. There was so much trouble early before January 1st between the Celtics on Brown and Tatum, whether or not they can coexist. So, of course, they got off to a slow start, and they were able to rally after the first of the year. But I think that if we really take a good close look at it, these teams are not worried about trying to break some you know, win record. That only happens in Chicago. It's, uh, well, only us can, are concerned with how many wins you get in the regular season <laughs> like that matters, uh, like that's a championship. And I think that teams are smarter in that they want to make sure that they're at least healthy enough to get ready for the playoffs. Yeah, and, and to... Is that, uh, is that fair? Or? Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's fair. Yeah. I, I think the other thing to take away from the piece... Uh, from Mark Stein pointing that out, is there's only one team in the league that would qualify, and that would be the Phoenix Suns. They got to 64. Memphis only got to 56. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in the Eastern Conference, Miami was the the leader at 53. So, you know, basically what we have here, without necessarily going out and making it uh, a focus for the league, is we have a bit of parity. Something that mm-hmm. the NBA has, has lusted for from the NFL for years is that if past champions since 2006, no team has won a title with fewer than 57 wins in a normal season, right? We're not counting the Lakers bubble, and, and we're also removing Milwaukee's championship last year because it wasn't a full 82-game schedule. Since 2006, the champions get to at least 57 wins. There was only one team in the NBA this season that got to that plateau, Phoenix Suns, and, and they lost early. And, and so I wonder if it is, is pointing to this idea where you have six to eight to ten teams that could all possibly win a championship. And, and you, you made a good point. There's a lot of players that don't play all the time, and Golden State dealt with injuries and, and Clay not being there for the full season. Sure. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure that Clay being there the full season gets them – Six or seven more wins. I mean, is that I, uh, that's I tough. The, well, well, the question for you is: Do you think that's important? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's important uh, in this context that usually heading into the playoffs, we have runaway teams that that could make the finals. And this year, what the the numbers have proven to us, and with all the blowouts in the playoffs, have proven to us is that that's not the case. Uh, so, like. Is it important for my enjoyment? No. Is it important in pointing out to how these teams got there? I think it's interesting. Well, of course, the number one thing is for seeding because you want to be able to have a good seed. But we come to find out, Chris, quietly, it's a number of these cities in which they don't have much of a home court advantage. And I'll start with Miami with that. I mean, you you would think uh, a, in South Florida – where they do care, you know, a lot of them do care about heat culture and Pat Riley and, you know, the big, you know, <laughs> and the big three and all that, right? So it, you would think that there would be like this home court advantage, and that clearly wasn't the case for the heat uh, as that was going back and forth. You know, that it, you would think, oh, you got to get home court. Sure. Do you? I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't know if you do, and and you know that 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 also factors into our breakdown of the finals because. Golden State's done a great job in this run since 2015 that they they win games on the road in playoff series, and that's why they've been so successful. Mm -hmm. Therefore, is it the fact that Stephen Curry and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson 
step up to the challenge because of what a home court uh, for the the opposition presents, or is it that it really doesn't matter all too much? You know, look at the teams with the best home court. Utah, they fizzled out. Yeah. Uh, that's a great home court advantage from what we're told. Uh, Miami, as you just mentioned, I mean, come on. It, it, have you ever seen a home crowd for a Game 7 as lackluster and and lack the, the excitement and the intensity from the crowd than what we saw from Miami on Monday night wow. or Sunday the, night, whenever the game was? Just put it this way. If the Bulls had built at the United Center as many clubs within a, an arena like Miami and we saw half a house in the lower bowl sure. coming out of halftime, we would be killing the Bulls. Oh, yeah. And, and killing Bulls fans like, why are you guys at the 100 level all kicking it at the club? Why aren't you in your seats? And this happened. And you listen, you and I know more than anybody because we watch so much regular season basketball, how many empty seats there are until the end of the third into the fourth. It's kind of like, well, right. wait, the, the halftime is not halftime and the third quarter. Halftime ends when halftime ends and get your ass in the seats in the third quarter. And like, like Miami, it, it's almost like it's almost like a neutral site game, Yeah, quite frankly, when they play. It feels like it. Now, during the LeBron Wade era, it, yeah. did, it did have a little uh, pizzazz to it, mm-hmm. a home court intimidation factor to it. Um, cause I remember those finals games against the Spurs that those were, those were good crowds and, and the impact was there, but hey, now every, I, I don't think yeah. it's the same. Hey, everybody can't be, you know, Memphis whooped that trick in San Francisco at the chase center. Like everybody can't have crowds like that. Well, and you have to give credit to, to golden state for creating a stadium and having the fan base that actually, you know, even though it's top dollar now at chase center, they're they're bringing the energy as if it was still in Oakland, at uh, the old uh, Oracle Arena. Mm-hmm. Like that was the best place to watch basketball. Oracle Arena. They 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 opened this billion dollar stadium in downtown San Francisco across the bay, and you expect it to be CEOs and hedge fund managers and and people who price out the normal fan. And surprisingly, during this playoff run, Chase Center has had one of the best atmospheres. In the entire league. Yeah. So you got to give them credit for that. That is uh, the old displaced Oakland Raider fan yep. and the 49er fan all together, right? Because you were at the old Oracle, right? Yeah, it was, it was so cool. So the, the final season of Oracle, I made it a, a point. We, we went out to Napa, and I made a point to drive down to see a Friday night game, Portland against Golden State. So you mm-hmm. had... Uh, Durant, you had Stephen Curry, you have Clay Thompson, you had Damian Lillard, you had CJ McCollum, and the game went to overtime. And that place was awesome. Concrete ceiling, the sound stays in, uh, the ushers are friendly, you know, asking me if I was from out of town because I went to the game by myself. Yeah. I sat there and the, my wife was with me and she wasn't feeling good, so she didn't go. So I drove down from Napa two hours down to the bay, watched the game, drove back up to Napa after the game. One of the coolest sporting events I've ever been to. It was just a regular season night, Friday night in Oakland. Uh, But that was like what you felt there is that like everyone was there to watch the game, which is not always what you get at sporting events. Yeah, see, that I think, and the reason why they were bringing this up is because, I mean, it's one thing for the players to execute, right? But also, you've got to be able to have fans to support you. So that's why we're just picking out these games, uh, these particular venues. Before we get to the finals, I just want to talk to you about Jimmy Butler for a yeah. second because 
All right. So I said in the regular season, I feel like Skip Bayless. I'm doing a deep breath. I'm like, Skip. Skip, Skip Bayless says this Skip. to this. Skip. 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 Shannon Sharp, it's my turn. It's my turn. So, my turn. <laughs> There's like this guy name. I think his name's last name's Rosen. That does a great Skip Bayless that's on Twitter right now. It's fantastic. Mm. It's only like 15 seconds a bit, but it, it's a really funny. He does a great Skip Bayless. So I said during the regular season, my friend, that I thought that Miami Heat, that they were the best quote-unquote team in the East. And, and what I didn't mean to say is, like, they're going to be the NBA champions. I just thought the Heat culture, and when I say Heat culture, I'm talking about Spolstra, the coaching staff, the way they go about their business. I just thought that they were the uh, most interesting team in the Eastern Conference. And they almost got there. But I thought we saw something that we didn't expect, and that is the real coming out party of Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler in Game 7 had an opportunity to go to the basket and and keep the game close. He decided to take a, a, a off-balanced outside jumper, and the Heat lost the game. He's, a, he's not the reason why they lost the game, but Jimmy Butler gave his all. I don't know, Chris. I see a guy that had 47 points to put a team on his back. In Game 7, it was the Bam and Butler show because it, it was all about out of bio and Butler playing all 48 minutes in Game 7. That guy's a top-10 player. And I don't care. Everyone can look at the rest of this league and just think, well, I would rather have Devin Booker or I'd rather have someone else in that top 10. I just think that Butler solidified himself as a top 10 player based on what he did in these playoffs. Here's a guy here that doesn't even shoot the ball well from the outside. We, we, we talk so much about DeMar DeRozan and his penchant to knock down twos, foul line extended, go to the basket, get to the foul line, all that. Jimmy doesn't even shoot the ball well from three, and he's still scoring 47 points to keep the Heat's season alive. That guy, to me, is a top 10 player and really showed what he can do as a leader for a team. Do you think he should have gotten a vote for NBA All-Team? Odd, because he uh, di- he didn't make uh, the well, first, second, or third team for All NBA. Now, now, like that's where, like, uh, no, I I understand. See, for me to put him in the top ten is just so tough for me to do, and and the the reason being is, is like I'm not looking to discredit his game. It's just like like here, here's the deal: if you and I are building a team, I'm taking Jimmy Butler over James Harden. Fine. But on the flip side, I think you could still argue, someone could still argue, that James Harden is the better player. Uh, I wouldn't well, want him. Not today he's not. I wouldn't want him. But, right. yeah, and, and today, no, because he hasn't been playing for two or three weeks, and, and Jimmy Butler's been fantastic. No, no, I, no, that's not, no, that's not my point. My point is that I see diminished skills with James Harden. This sure. is not the same Harden that would be able to get Michael Jordan calls and just be able to bump in the guys and just be, you know, just a, a catalyst for a team. At least not in Philly. That's not what I see. I see a guy that's on the downside. He would not be in my top 10. I'm looking up uh, right now who received votes. So Jimmy Butler received, so he, he was a forward. He received uh, 32 votes, uh, 26 of them for the third team. Uh, two for the second team, no first team. Uh, so so here, here's who he's going up against, right? He's going up against Giannis and Jason Tatum. So Tatum, I think you could have a, a conversation about, right? Okay. Uh, then second team, yeah, Kevin Durant and DeMar DeRozan. And then third team, LeBron James and Pascal Siakam. 
<laughs> I think I think you could make the argument you could put him on over Siakam. I think it's interesting. DeMar DeRozan had the better season, but if we had to have the, the talk on who's the better player, Jimmy Butler or DeMar DeRozan, I think we're both taking Jimmy Butler. Yes. Outside of that, the forwards for the all-NBA team, he's not better than Giannis. Uh, Jason Tatum, we just saw it in the flesh. Tatum won. But did uh, Jimmy Butler win the one-on-one individual matchup between the two? Well, okay. Kevin Durant's the better player. Yeah, yeah. And then LeBron. LeBron James is still the better player over over Jimmy Butler, even though I kind of like Jimmy on my side over over LeBron's BS that he's been having uh, off the court, you know, just trying Mm -hmm. to be a celebrity Hollywood mogul type of guy. I'd, I'd rather take the guy who, who's a bit of a diva but wants to give a damn on the court. You've been, you've been on this for a while. You don't, you don't like L.A. LeBron, even with the championship in the bubble. Which no. I, and he's still giving you, but he's still giving you quality offensively. But it's funny that you, you keep saying that LeBron is too much Hollywood and not enough basketball, and you think that that's a detriment to the Lakers. Yeah, for sure. I mean... He, it's a game that you have to be, uh, you have to play it on both ends. And that sounds so simple, but Jimmy Butler does that. And that's the difference between Butler and James Harden. That's the difference between LeBron James and Jimmy Butler. And, and you got to give credit to get young guys like Jason Tatum. He plays both ends. Is he great defensively? Not necessarily, but he plays both ends. And, and I think that's where the league is a bit different is because it's so spread out. And because it's usually forwards and guards on the wing, having to defend and then also being able to uh, take advantage offensively on, on the offensive side of the basketball, that's where Jimmy Butler is so valuable is because he does both at a very high level and he doesn't shoot three-point shots, which is interesting because he is so impactful even though he's not utilizing one of the best tools to the advantage of a basketball player in today's game. He just doesn't shoot it that well, though, Chris. No, I'm I'm not saying he needs to. I'm just saying like the way he does it is just he's so efficient at what he does. He gets to the foul line. He's got that 10-foot jump shot. He can back you down. He can pivot off of that. He can manipulate uh, a pick-and-roll situation and get big and then get all the way to the basket. He can step back uh, a little jump shot, 17-foot shot. You know, like he he and DeMar DeRozan are very similar similar offensively, except Mm -hmm. Butler is a much better defensive player. So if I told you a top 10, and this is in no order, if I gave you uh, LeBron, Steph Curry, Giannis, KD, Luka, Jokic, Embiid, Booker, Tatum, Butler, how, how, like if you're taking Jimmy out, what are, who are you putting in there? So, um, Do I go through it again? or Yeah, no. Uh... I get what you're saying. Well, um, well, I don't know why. Why are you hesitant to put Butler in that? I mean, what didn't he not sh- show you? And it, yeah, he didn't hit the last shot in Game Seven, but he played all 48 minutes. I saw, and that's something that you don't get today in the NBA. He carried a a Heat team to seven games when it could have should have been six. Quite frankly, what against do the we, Celtics. What do we do with the skill set of Kyrie? Do we do we discredit the skill set because he's unavailable half the time? Which I'm I'm fine with. Um, but skill set, he's a better player than Butler. And then I would also say, I think you still have to add Chris Paul into the mix. Well, I, well, those are two guys that don't get it done for me defensively. They just don't. Like Chris Paul, I mean, he's a cone. 
<laughs> that's, that's what we were told. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Pat Bev. <laughs> did, did we tell? Did we not learn that he was a cone? That's what I was told from Westside Pat Bev. That's what he told me. Okay, Kyrie Irving is is a, also a sieve defensively. You talk about diminishing skills. We can look at the offense and say, yeah, these guys can be able to make a difference offensively. Kyrie Irving is not the same defensive player, at least not with the not with Brooklyn that he once was. Okay, so so here you put Jai in there in the top ten. Here's my answer. I, I say you can you can put him in the top ten, um, and I think what happens is between Tatum, Booker, Butler, Mitchell, uh, Kyrie, CP3, Ja, all of those guys are clumped together in a category that's not superstar status. They're close. They're very good. They're stars. Um, but I, I think what you've laid out is there's a clear cut line for like the superstars, and that's probably at that like when you're done with Embiid and Jokic, mm-hmm. and then you get into a group like because Damian Lillard, if healthy, he's probably in the same group with Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum. Uh, you know, we we could argue Jalen Brown. Like, what do you do with him? Uh, there, there's a bunch of guys that are like from ten to twenty that. Any given time, they could be number eleven or they could be number nineteen. And uh, I, I think Butler's in that group. You could have pinned me down if you tell me, like, well, I'm going to replace uh, Jimmy Butler with Damian Lillard. Yeah, but could, he's all, he, he also hasn't been available. Well, I think that's I, I think that's a part of what Jimmy Butler is is that he is always available and always playing top minutes, and I think that's. That's something you have to acknowledge. The NBA bereft of quality stars. Next. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's the case. I just think that the, the superstar to me is a special designation. And I don't just say everyone's a superstar. Like I feel like it's a different level. And, and you, can, you can be that player. Uh, you could also fall out of it. I think James Harden is in the process of falling out of superstardom, much like Carmelo Anthony for years was a superstar. That's right. And then he fell out of that, and he just became a serviceable, good player in the league. I think that's possible. And so if Butler is now moving in, I, I think you had absolutely moved James Harden out. Absolutely. But for for like the last five years, well, maybe not five, but like, the last five of seven years, James Harden was an absolute superstar. But Brooklyn Harden, no. Philly Harden, no. No, yeah. And, and that's why I think he's falling backwards. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't see it anymore. And um, by the way, before, again, we get to the finals matchup, for those listening for the first time, I want people to know the secret for Chris Black. The mm-hmm. secret of Chris Black is he's a closet Mavericks fan, and he is... <laughs> And he has admired the Mark Cuban administration for a while here. You don't you don't say it openly, but I know that about you and your Mavs were <laughs> able to get to another level uh, and fell short. But then you look at uh, on the other side of it with uh, the Miami Heat. Listen, we know the Heat and their culture and everything else. So I'll ask you now: Which team will be able to retool and rebuild to get back to their conference final again? Uh, I will give you Dallas, and the reason I'll give you wow. Dallas is because they don't have two more years of Kyle Lowry sitting on their books at like twenty six to twenty seven million dollars. He's done. Oh, are you kidding me? 
He's he done. is beyond toast. Yeah, he's done. You talked about traffic cones. The guy can barely get up the floor with the ball in his hand. I mean, what he didn't add anything in Game Seven in the second half. Yeah, that's it. That's it. For, and it's too bad because we saw Toronto Lowry with DeRozan, those teams uh, that he was pretty good. A really key cog to them, and just it's just the typical Heat, though, right? Let's take a guy from Toronto that has championship pedigree and put him on the team. Let's put uh, Oladipo on the team, who is the the guy from Indiana. It, let's, let's put him in a position where he can succeed. And it just it just hasn't worked. They have also Rands on the roster that did not pay dividends for the Heat. Yeah, so of the four top-paid players on Miami's roster going forward, Kyle Lowry is owed in 2023 $28 million, 2024 29.6. Duncan Robinson has four more years on his deal of about – 18 to 19 million dollars on each of those years. Guy did you, you see Duncan play. Robinson even on the court in the no. playoffs? No. I don't. Did you understand that or did they just no. like Struce better? Uh, they like Struce because he plays defense better. I th- I thought Duncan Robinson was a better three-point shooter, but Struce was playing defense and so he got the minutes. Mm. I to me, I don't think and, and listen, you you could also say yeah, Jimmy Butler is fantastic now at 32. But when Jimmy Butler is 36, he is on the books for $52 million in 2026. He will be 36 years old. I I don't think that's going to work. That's a lot of Michelob. So I I would answer Dallas because they have younger uh, and and more uh, flexibility uh, as far as payroll because I don't – two more years of Kyle Lowry is a problem. Jimmy Butler right now is fantastic. Uh, I would say even at $37 million for next season, a bit of a steal. Because if you're putting him in top 10 range and he's only making 37 next year, that's that's a great deal for the Heat. But I think that bites you in the ass when you get to 2016, uh, 26, and he's making 52.4. I mean, that's nuts. Here's a topic that would come up on Black and Abdallah. Hmm. You ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> The Jimmy Butler commercials with Hootie in the background oh, and yeah. Nickelodeon, yeah, right? Yeah, singing on the plane. Can I ask you a question? Because he's not annoying during the flight. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where you're going with this? No, I'm just, no, 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 no. It's not about that. I'm just asking, don't you think that that commercial's catering to those that don't like the NBA? That Like... The old, the, the guys, you know, 90s basketball fan, they're just like, that was listening to Hootie back then. Don't you think that they're just like, yeah, the NBA was so much better when you could just knock a guy over, like Anthony Mason, and like, when you could be able to, right, right. you know. When you're tough. Yeah, yeah. when you're, you're a tough guy, where you didn't have the freedom of movement. I felt like watching that, I'm like, those that like that music, and that was a, that soft? that like Are you Jimmy, saying it's soft? Um, as soft and, uh, and country backwards, <laughs> soft and country. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't know if they will really appreciate. I don't even know if they know who that is. They just like the music. Do you think that the average the '90s basketball fan knows that's Jimmy Butler in a Michelob commercial? I feel like the audience that listens to that music probably is not keen on today's NBA. Who's so? Who's that commercial for? Is that for those who fly private chartered flights? Because <laughs> I don't, I don't find anything about that to be relatable. I, I have to sit on the plane and and they they bring the little drink cart through, and I can't get up and just have a a little a karaoke session with myself. 
<laughs> that's not the case. I just who is this? Who is this commercial for? Hey, listen, I understand that the league commercials all can't be hip hop and R and B. I understand that, but I just thought it was fascinating. That spoke to who Jimmy really is. Jimmy would kick it at a, at a country concert with his boots and his hat, little you know, little cowboy hat, uh, more so than just going to you know see Kanye. Okay, so let me let me follow this up Butler conversation. I, most, most people would say Jimmy Butler is a bit of a jerk, right? Is that the way uh, people would re, would describe him? I would say, well, or is Diva Diva the best way to describe him? I would say jerk based on those that have been around him. Yeah, yes. it, like I've never actually the only interaction I've ever had with him was uh, innocent and pure and. He was. You remember that? I'm, I'm the one that that called him to put him on your NBA draft show the night the Bulls drafted him, and he didn't hear from the Bulls until he heard from us. That's right. And he started crying. Yeah. And so, like, it was incredible. Uh, well, yeah, we we broke the news to Butler that he was being drafted. Yeah, uh, the Bulls right. were not happy with us that night. By the way, <laughs> we'll pick up the phone and it's call great. the man. Yeah, how did we? How did we get to him before you? Uh, but. People have said that he's a diva. That's like out there, right? Well, that was the Nick Friedel the old Bulls Buzz show that would be on after Bulls games where, you know, you catch Nick tired. He's been covering the team all day. He's on the road. And at 11, you know, 51, Nick just breaks out. Let me just tell you, Jimmy's changed. Jimmy's <laughs> what? He's what? What? Jimmy's changed. He's a, changed he's a jerk now. What? Nick, we're on the air. All right, so so I didn't realize this until this uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Hmm. Kyle Lowry, uh, more of a jerk. Did you watch the press conferences after after games at the podium? Attitudinal, yes. Oh my! I didn't realize that he he was like he like went out of his way to be rude to the reporters. Mm-hmm. No, I get it. Like you're a professional athlete, you don't have to be nice to reporters, but like. I was shocked at how how much of a diva like I thought Butler was the diva, but like he, you know, like hardcore eye rolls at every single question. Uh the stuff that he would mumble into the mic, you know, he'd he'd pull the mic off the little stanchion, he'd kind of mumble something into it and then like I didn't I didn't know that. Like I guess I never I consume a lot of NBA stuff. Yeah. Uh press conferences, uh interviews, TV shows, all of it, uh, games. I, I guess I never realized that Lowry was a bit of a, you know, diva. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Well, I think I can put my finger on why that's the case. Uh, Lowry's just, I, I mean, I can relate to Lowry. Hungry. You're just hungry. Okay. Hung, hangry? A little hangry? Yeah, I think so. Ready to I eat can, after I, the game? I can relate to that. Okay, I get that. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. Just I, I can get that. I love that you put the Mavericks out there as a team that's going to be able to get back up there well, to the conference final again. They, they have more flexibility, and they have the younger, better player. So, uh, uh, so, okay. they, so you're saying they're going to re-sign Brunson? Yeah, I mean, Mark Cuban said after the, the series that he, he, they have the money and that he, quote, thinks that Brunson wants to stay. So, Okay. It's either they're going to sign Brunson or Zach Levine. So. They need some help. Around Luca, it just can't be the Luca Brunson show, and that's not. I think Finney Smith is a good player. I just think they need a lot more. 
I'm with you on that. Yeah, I mean it's a stacked West, so it's just it's just going to take a lot. That's why. So you, so my friend here, Chris Bluck, is taking Dallas out of what's more likely to get back up there than Miami. Yeah. Okay. Hands down. How do you think this final series plays out? I, I, I think, you know, I give you the stat that these are two teams that did not get to the plateau of 57 wins. Uh, but we, we do have a, a former champion. Uh, Golden State has won three in the past. Uh, this in this eight-year run will now be their their sixth finals appearance, which is the stuff of legends. You know, we're, we're talking about Michael's Bulls in the, in the 90s. We're talking about Magic and Larry's teams, the Celtics and the Lakers of the 80s. You know, and as long as we're talking modern time, NBA now going back to, like, uh, the Celtics of the 60s. Uh, But, like, when you look at that, the run that Golden State is on, heading to this final series as the favorite, it's really remarkable. And now that, um, let's see, now that Golden State has won, they're in the finals. They are 21-2 in the playoffs, in playoff series since Steve Kerr began as their head coach, eight seasons, uh, which is just crazy. The Bulls of the 90s went 26-2, and two, but that's because they, they had a couple more series there because they made the playoffs in the two years that Jordan wasn't there, where Golden State, had, they have a two-year gap where they didn't make the playoffs with all the injuries. But that, that's legendary stuff that we're, we're witnessing now with Golden State. I, I think that... There are a lot of teams that wish they could be able to retool around the working parts of a roster. I mean, if a team falls short, uh, like the Warriors, I remember that we were watching the Warriors win 18 games, and we watched them, you know, just a couple of years ago, last couple of years, kind of struggle, especially without Clay Thompson. But I think ideally what you'd want, Chris, is to be able to have a team in which you say, okay, we have working parts now of Curry, Thompson, and everything of Draymond Green. He's part of that as well. What can we put around these three to solidify ourselves as NBA champions or at least get into the finals? And that's Jordan Poole, and that's Andrew Wiggins, and that's a veteran, and that's uh, Looney, who is an integral part of that team. And to be able to have Otto Porter Jr., just a veteran, Gary Payton, and you know Moses Moody came up big in the playoffs in the uh, Western Conference Finals as well, chipping in. My point is, is that it's not it, you can run it back. But you can't run it back just with the same parts. I think that that's the thing that's remarkable about Bob Myers and the Golden State Warriors in that don't care about your luxury tax, don't care about your penalties. Here is Curry and Thompson and Draymond as our base. Now what can we put around them to be able to to get back up there to a championship level? To see Jordan Poole in the regular season, it opened up our eyes, I think, together, collectively as a show, to watch what Jordan Poole has done. It's kind of like, wow, that's a guy that's fit in nicely. Andrew Wiggins, who was a, a joke in Minnesota as far as his temperament and him wanting to get good, he gets to a, a program like Golden State and look at what he's able to do. A whole different type of ball player than what we've seen. So I think what I'm impressed with with Golden State is to change the parts around the core and still play at a championship level yeah no doubt and and there what, what's interesting is like they kind of changed how they played a little bit and then they still kept that that uh offense and the the moving without the basketball as the central focus even when both splash brothers weren't necessarily there 
And what they've created is like the hard work that they put up front by keeping the offense the same is that now when they get Clay and Steph both healthy, mixing in with Jordan Poole, it's almost completely unstoppable when all three of those guys are clicking. And in most nights, all three won't. Uh, and there are games where only one will. Right. And they're still good enough. And, and I, you know, the glue that holds it all together, which is still, I, I think, a, a ridiculous sports thought angle topic, is like the value and the worth of Draymond Green. And it, it's something we will debate when his playing career ends uh, and we wait for the Hall of Fame. People will say that guy is not a Hall of Famer because he doesn't play, he doesn't score the basketball. And he wasn't as good as Dennis Rodman as far as the defensive and rebounding side of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the ability for Draymond to be smarter than almost everyone else on the court, to then free up his shooting guards, to make the right pass, to look ahead, to to do all of the little things, it is just so much fun to watch. And uh, we got close to seeing something like that here in Chicago with Joakim Noah. Uh, but Draymond really takes it to a whole nother level, and and it, it's it's just a pleasure to watch. and And I am so thrilled as a basketball fan that this team has gotten back to the finals. I I hate when we have great stories in sports and greatness in sports, and injuries ruin the the championship run. Mm-hmm. I hate that. I I like to see things through. If Boston goes out and wins this series five games to one. I will tip my hat to Boston. They're the champs, no doubt about it. Hey, guess what? Golden State, you're not good enough. you got to figure something else out. But until that happens, I'm going to be rooting for Golden State because I've seen what they've been able to do at the pinnacle of this sport, and it is uh, of stuff that we haven't really seen frequently. And, and that's what I respect. I respect that Stephen Curry is chasing greatness. Everyone describes him because of his size. Oh, he's just a shooter. Hell, at a certain point here, we're going to have to have the conversation that he's the greatest point guard to ever live. And we I don't say that, that I don't yeah. say that lightly. Lightly, yeah. and and he needs some trophies to, to continue to to add to that conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably two two more trophies uh, as far as championship runs go. But if, like I I am so impressed by them and the, and the ability to be resilient and to show back up and to be here. I think is such a good story for the league. I want you to look at Courtney Cross's um, uh, Courtney Cross Courtney Cronin's uh, Twitter. Courtney Cronin. I know that you're saying, "Wait, why do we have to look at the Bears writers' Twitter?" Well, you got to be able to check this out because you know she does work for ESPN Radio as well. Oh, yeah. So she's she's, she's knows a teammate everything. here at ESPN 1000. Yeah, Courtney's so, the best. So Courtney Cronin says three things to watch. She just gives the number one. She says, "I'm just going to leave this here." Is this the series where Steph Curry finally emerges on top? Not from a team standpoint. He already owns three titles, but individual? Curry was never the best player on the court in the Warriors' five trips to the finals, partly because the competition for the honor was steep. Mm -hmm. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, partly because Curry, for some reason, seemed a level below his own standards, and Andre Iguodala often elevated. After securing the All-Star and the West Final MVPs this season, maybe the elusive Finals MVP is within his reach this time. Now, 
the the Finals MVP doesn't mean that much to me, Chris. I mean, it's something where when you see the championship trophy, you know, you find out who the Finals MVP is. Okay, fine. That's that. That's not necessarily something that you talk about. We just talk about how the the journey of a team getting to a championship. But I think that it would be interesting to see in this matchup against the Celtics whether Steph Curry takes a step back or takes a step forward. Because if not, this is going to be the Clay Thompson. Uh, finals, or this is going to be the Jordan Poole finals, and I think that Steph, for as many threes as he shoots from the moon, he has to be someone to step up in the forefront and be able to knock down some key shots uh, in a big way, and let's see if Steph can do that. Oh, I'm totally with you. Um, I don't look at his lack of finals MVP trophies as a I don't look at it as a knock on his career. I mean, like like Courtney uh, pointed out, uh, I, I think that piece is on NBA.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, LeBron James wins one. Kevin Durant wins a couple. And then you also have uh, Andre Iguodala with their first championship. He, he was so lights out on both ends of the floor in that series. It's not like Steph was terrible. I do know that if you take me back to the series that they lost against the Cavs, the first final series that they lost – that 73-win team, Steph did have a rough series. And didn't he also have a couple of turnovers late in that final game, which kind of caused – because, like, isn't there a gif off of it that uh, Steph Curry goes to make a behind-the-back pass to to Clay Thompson and he chucks it out of bounds? Yes. And and people uh, took the basketball and put the trophy, the NBA trophy (laughs) in as it, and then you see him just throwing the the trophy out of bounds? Yes. Yeah, uh, Steph has had moments, but also Steph has had moments where he's the reason they've won games in the playoffs. Yeah, and Courtney's right, you're right. It's time for Steph to, to take a series. And, like, if he goes out and solidifies he's the best player in this series, wins the MVP, then win a championship, you know, then the stuff that I was talking about as we started this conversation really starts to come into focus. And we can look at this Warriors team and trying to figure out how you place a team that wins four championships within, uh, you know, eight years, is six title runs, getting to the finals, you go four and two. Uh, that That's going to be really impressive you know that that's better than larry in the in the celtics in the 80s uh it's not quite magic in the 80s uh magic got five yeah um but now we're now we're moving this group into a whole different conversation than i think we were intending on keeping them i i think we were kind of gonna keep them at that you won three, but you had Durant for two of them. So, eh, it didn't really count. You're kind of like <laughs> you're kind of like then. the Heatles, you know. You got two, oh, the Heatles, right? Like, yeah, yeah. No, you, but that, but that's what people do, and and you know, no one's going to touch Michael in the six and zero, oh. right? Uh, but I, I think debate is open for that second place. I, I we had a caller on Black and Abdallah who was very angry a week ago. That I, I, I went through this and I, I listed off the Celtics, the Lakers of the 80s, the Bulls of the 90s. And I said in modern day times, you know, Steph and, and this team is looking to join that conversation. The guy, Spurs fan, was outraged that Uh-oh. I didn't include the Spurs. Uh-oh. And I go, well, you got to pick an eight-year run here. I'm looking at eight-year runs because that's what we have with uh, Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr has been the coach for eight seasons. Give me an eight-year run here. And then my follow-up, because he, he wanted to prove a point that it's not comparable to, say, Steph Curry is of the caliber of Tim Duncan. 
I wasn't comparing the two. Right. Duncan is the all-time greatest power forward in the history of the league. Mm-hmm. But you show me in that 20-year window where Duncan only played five games in a regular season – and then you you tell me if they won 50 games. Because his point was that the Spurs won 50 games every year. Uh, and this Warriors team didn't do it. And my response was, okay. you know, Stephen Curry played five games that one season? What was it, 2019? He played five games. Yeah. And Thompson was out for the entire year. Yeah, it's, and also it's a different time, too. But it, it goes back to what we said earlier in the podcast. Like, what, what was important to you, to run guys out and not give them any time off? You know that was that was during that time with Popovich. If you could, if you could breathe, you could play, which is nothing wrong with that. That was just a different time. Well, give credit, but, give credit yeah. to the Spurs, but it, they, yeah. it, they didn't have a um, compact eight-year run. It was they had some years where they were bounced in the first and the second round. They had some some time in between finals appearances. Yeah, there was a, a around like 2014, 2012. Yeah, they they got a couple of trophies and they made the finals. Yeah, there's a little block there, but it, it wasn't an eight-year run. And that, that's, that's my only point, is that you can make the comparison now. Eight years of Steve Kerr with the Warriors and Jordan from, from the 90 championship, uh, the 91 championship, 92, 93 to 98, that's an eight-season run. That's yep. what I'm comparing, eight but seasons. The, but the, the, the Spurs fan feels like you're muscling them out. Because every th- the whole league's predicated first of all on the Lakers and the Celtics. Yeah, that's how the that's, that's how the league was built. Those two teams <laughs> down in and San the, Antonio, and, and then the Bulls run, and like the the mini rocket run, and then like the you know, and then but the Warriors are on that precipice of being that special team. But Spur fan doesn't want you to ace them out. They're like, what about us? And it was kind of scattershot what they were doing because you just laid it out, right? I mean, they feel he feels like you're not including them in the dynasty talk. Correct. So, so he heard correctly. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> you hasty pop out. Spurs fans don't like that, man. Nah, they feel like I mean, they had their run, too. No, the Spurs get their own FS1 uh, one, oh. one segment from Cowherd talking about how the Spurs are the Patriots and uh, the whole thing. Well, Belichick and Popovich, uh, this, that. All right. It's a good conversation. No, I know. I'm, I'm just saying that we were doing a different conversation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but the Spur fan doesn't feel like you're doesn't doesn't want to get aced out. Weren't, weren't the Sixers in a brief period of time, a late yeah. 70s, early 80s, a, a team that was in the mix with yes. Moses Malone and Dr. J? Like, I didn't include them. They didn't have an eight-year run. Yeah, no, I agree with you. They they had their run, but not quite like I right. understand. Because they're not right. the Warriors, the Bulls, right. Celtics, or Lakers. <laughs> All right. We talk uh, Celtics. Uh, Rosillo's coming on. Quick break back after this. Yep. Oh, we're not on the ringer? No, sorry, sorry. Uh, no, we're not. So, House calls me. What's that? What's that? <laughs> it's all right. Hold on, Chris. Hold on. We're, all right, uh, we're not. We're not on the rigor. No, but uh, I do have a Celtics uh, topic. It's the same topic that we had when we recorded our playoff preview podcast. So, my dad, he's at the uh, games, and he's saying that. The, oh, it's not. It's not Simmons. No, it's not no. The Simmons thing. No, but you can find this podcast on Spotify. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Thank you. Oh, thank so, you. That's a good yeah. segue. Thank you. Yeah, pretty good. Thank you. Um, I like that this team did not like uh, each other. And I like in this era of sports where every disgruntled person has to have their own way and be traded here and traded there. And I'm leaving in free agency and I can't get along. I like that these guys 
stayed and management didn't tear them apart. And halfway through the season, they were 500 and they didn't like each other. And now they, they seem to like each other and they're winning basketball games. I feel like this is a, a sports story that we would have gotten in decades past. And we don't get these stories anymore where the team actually figures it out. They go on a run and they keep the pieces together. Even though on the record, guys were, were disgruntled and did not want to be around each other. I like that from the Celtics. Man, how did we get here with Boston? Seriously. You and I chronicled this Boston team where it was it seeming like Brown and Tatum could not coexist. A lot of this was media-fueled, but also just the feeling that there's so much talent. There's enough talent in this team that they should be able to play better, and they weren't. Remember when the Bulls played the Celtics? They went ran right through them. Oh, when, yeah. When the Bulls were good, it's kind of like, wow. So how did the Celtics get here? The Celtics got here, Chris, because of defense. And you know, let's give Adoka credit. If we give Spolstra and some of these other coaching geniuses credit, let's give Adoka credit for adjustments to even get to this point now in the finals. For them to be able to get through a, a Brooklyn team where it just – it wasn't the Brooklyn team that we thought it was going to be. It was you know a, a broken-down Kyrie uh, as well as, as KD. It just wasn't the, the same team. You had sweeping right through Brooklyn and then really in a fist fight with Milwaukee to beat the champs. And then, again, a strong series against Miami where – Again, you watch the the Celtics and you thought, will do they have the knockout punch? Uh, Tatum is part of that, but did they have enough of the knockout punch to be able to win? Could Jalen Brown be a difference maker? Brown scored 40 points in the loss against the Heat in this series, and we didn't know if they had enough. We, we remember it's still a young team, this Celtics outfit, and they still were able to get past Miami. So hats off to them to get to this point. Yeah, it ends against Golden State, though. I know that there's some that favor the Celtics, but look at what they had to go through, Chris. Yeah. Look what they had to go through. It just, I mean, to get through Giannis, to get through KD, to be able to have such an arduous series against the, the Heat, the Warriors win this in six. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I wrote the same thing down. I, I think Warriors in six, I think it's a good series. I don't think Boston has enough offensively. Uh, and I think Golden State's going to win a game on the road. Uh, which Boston may think they have a chance until that happens in uh, Golden State. So what, game six would be on the road, so they end this thing on the road in Boston. Oh. oh right, no. or are we uh, – how does the series uh, shape up? I can never keep it straight. Are we doing the old school thing? Because didn't for a while we go back to the old school deal? Let's see, Thursday. Uh, so so the, it's at Golden State on Thursday – at Golden State on Sunday, and then against at Boston on Wednesday, June 8th, Friday, June 10th, and then back to Golden State on uh, June 13th, uh, in Boston on June 16th, and Game 7 would be at Golden State. Okay. Yeah. So 2-2-1-1-1. Two, two, one, one, one. That's how it is. Now. Yeah. So the 1-1-1, one, 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 so this, game, this series ends in Boston, in the Garden, and Golden State wins the championship. I'm with you on that. Yeah, oh, man, right in, right in Scalabrini's eye. Yeah, why not? Oh, man. I, I'd say, you know, the other thing, um, my other thought with Boston is this. Give all the credit in the world to Jason Tatum to to enter the conversation of people suggesting that he should be a superstar. Uh, he, he was first-team All-NBA this year. Congratulations to him on that. I don't think anyone would argue with you that Jalen Brown is a 
number two who can win a championship and look at where they're at. You know, like we have the same conversation about Zach Levine. I think Brown's a better player, but how much better is Jalen Brown than Zach Levine? Hmm. That's a hell of a question. I I, I just feel as if um, in our conversations, Hmm. maybe not you and me specifically, but I think we do do it at, at times. We put players in this this box and this role where like you can't achieve more than what we think you can achieve. And like Jalen Brown as their number two is more than accomplished here to get his team to the finals. And now they have a chance. We both think Golden State's going to win, but, but I think there's something to this idea that we say, ah, you need a number one. Ah, that number two is not, we need a three. Like think about Boston's number three is Marcus smart. Compare yes. that to other good teams around the league as your number three. That's not going to get it done. It's a, it's Somehow a, it works. Well, it's a longer conversation that you and I have to have, Chris, and maybe we'll talk about this in the offseason when the finals are done. But I believe we're done with super teams. Yeah. We're, we're done with, with us. We're I'm done. And, and it's just not, it's not even about the money and the luxury tax as much as it is. Like, look... If we compile two or three superstars together, it just doesn't. I mean, it you, it can work if you have the right chemistry, if everyone's on the right on the same page. But the the ability for players to feel like, okay, here I am in a big three. I'm not getting the ball enough. I'll leave. J- you could thank James Harden for maybe the ending of the big three. Yeah, because of what happened in Brooklyn, that seemed like on paper with Durant and Kyrie and James Harden that that would be a really solid threesome. It'd be interesting to see how everything would have worked out. But they were on the floor together. I mean, COVID's part of that, and also James Harden not being in shape initially. All this stuff, right? It just became just a, a culmination of. Um, a negative situation in Brooklyn. But I think that we're going to start straying away from stockpiling a whole bunch of talent and then trying to win. At some point, you've got to be able to get a hold of your your program, and I mean your team. Chris, you just can't just – it's like, okay, well, I'm going to get these three stars – maybe four stars, and then try to put them in a a, a position to win. I just think that we're done with that because, like Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant should still be with Golden State. But he was so concerned and so uh, obsessed with Twitter eggs saying that, well, you just glommed on to this championship team because you couldn't get in Oklahoma City. So he just left to go someplace else. He didn't have to leave. I, wouldn't, I couldn't care less what people on Twitter would have to say about what, I, what my decision was in free agency. I go to Golden State. I, I get a chance to win multiple championships. Hell, yeah, I'm doing that. Yeah. Why? I mean, as long as I'm getting paid and I'm, win- and I'm winning, what's wrong with that? So there's teams and there's certain players that just want to have their own place and they want to be able to build their own championship. But, man, if I'm in free agency and if a team wants me and we win championships, I want to be part of that greatness. Yeah. And and I'm I agree with you, and I also think if if you if we go back to the to the conversation we started this podcast with about possibly this league turning into this new era of parity, yeah. where more teams have an opportunity, it would then mean the talent at the top is dispersed enough that your second best player on a championship team is Clay Thompson and Jalen Jalen Brown, yeah, and your third best player is a guy like Draymond Green. Or Marcus Smart. Now, I know that people would argue that Jordan Poole is a better player than Green, but you, you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah. neither of these teams are stacked with 
two guys who are in that superstar category. Uh, you know, you got one in Stephen Curry. We debated Jalen uh, or uh, Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. You know, if Miami made the finals, we would debate if it was Jimmy Butler and whoever the number two, Bam Adebayo. He, I don't think he is a, a superstar level guy. So, He's like, I, I think it makes for a better NBA. And hopefully guys stay in their spots so then we get some rivalries uh, in the future, right? Like, that's the thing is when teams play each other in the playoffs and then they meet again, that's when we start to get rivalries. That's when people are interested. That's good for the league. So you're, yeah. you're picking Golden State in six. Yeah, I am. All I'm right, so am I. Golden State in six. Uh, so am I. And, and to your heat point, so it's Jimmy and then and Bam, and then it's like, okay. Tyler let, Hero? Let's get Tyler Hero when healthy, put him in that spot. Let's just pick up Max Strews, a guy that's, that is a max effort guy. He's got no other choice but to give you the m- most effort possible. Uh, by the way, he's, his foot was not on the line. Um, that yeah, he was just that, hovering over the three. And did that was not. garbage. But but PJ Tucker, you know, you're trying to develop Gabe Vincent guys like that, and then you just kind of go from there. Yeah, I think that's where the league's headed right now, and I think that it's not worth you going deep in the tax for um, for trying to get a championship, fall short, and then one of those players, one of those top three players, are just like nah. Now I don't want to do this anymore because now that makes your organization crumble. One yep. one piece off of that. And now you're like, well, how do I get this 20 points a game back? How do I get this rebounding back? Well, I mean, that's a, that's a tough way to go when you're depending on three players giving you 20-plus points or more, toughness defensively, re- rebounding, all the intangibles that you want from an NBA player. If one of those guys decides, nah, I just want to leave, then that's, you know, that's bad for a team. Do you have any uh, quick thought on Zach Levine before we wrap this up? We continue to hear... Uh, rumor and innuendo about Zach Levine and in the West Coast, and uh, sure, you heard and like I heard the interview done by Lavar Ball by David Kaplan, and um, I don't take much credence into that interview. I don't. I think that it's speculation, rampant speculation by uh, by Lavar Ball, thinking that that Zach for sure wants to go to the West Coast. I don't know. All I know is this: is that. Zach Levine, would you rather be in a place where this is your city, this is your team, your team has an opportunity to go take another step in the playoffs, or step back and go to the Lakers? And I say step back, meaning that if Zach goes to the Lakers, it's LeBron and Zach. Because it's not Anthony Davis because you yeah. can't rely on him because he's not healthy enough. Um, the, the, the idea that he's going to go to go to Portland, well, that's a non-playoff team. Who knows if Lillard's going to be there? You, you go to the Clippers... So you're sure Paul George is going to be there, right? You sure? You sure he's going to stay? Yeah. You sure? Yeah, I feel like the Clippers are a situation where they just need those guys healthy. Okay. Uh, but I, And again, it's just very difficult in a tough Western Conference. Yeah. You mentioned Dallas, and we talk about you know other teams. Golden State will be trying to run it back again. Um, and, and, t- and young teams on the come like Memphis and, and Minnesota. I mean, you can say, okay, I want to go to the Clippers, but if it's about a championship, are you sure that that's increasing your chances to go win a championship with the Clippers? Like, I, I just think that he's going to resign for the max with the Bulls. Uh, I don't take a lot of credence in what, um, in what uh, Mr. Ball had to say. No, I, I don't. I, I do um, put credence in the reporting from Vincent Goodwill and also Mark Stein, both pointing to when the Mavs lost uh, that 
a player they've kept their eye on, a player that they uh, they want to go after is Zach Levine. So, you know, Dallas is a team that has the championship level roster already, uh, and they have an owner, and and they go out and get things done. But with that said, like, would you rather have Brunson or Zach? Because I don't think they would be able to swing both. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for Zach, does he want to play with someone like Luca? who Luca is going to dominate the basketball more than DeMar DeRozan did in this past year, season. And if you believe anything from some of the reporting that's been done, whether it be Bleacher Report or Mark Stein or Vincent Goodwill or Brian Windhorst, that a part of what has led Zach to have a bit of a wandering eye and want to test free agency this summer is the fact that on possessions at the end of the game, he was standing in the corner because DeMar DeRozan was taking the last shot. He was commanding the offense, and he's the face of the team. Uh, that's not going to change if you go to Dallas. Uh, well, Luke, right. Luke, nobody has a bigger usage rate than Luka Doncic. So if if Zach wants to be that type of a player, I don't think Dallas makes a lot of sense. But a lot of the reporting, Casey Johnson, uh, like I said, Yahoo and Vincent Goodwill, they keep pointing out that Atlanta is interested. I've heard Portland from these reports. Uh, Dallas has come up multiple times. I think the L.A. stuff is total nonsense because they can't get it done. Yeah. And and if you're a Bulls fan, you shouldn't hope that they try and figure out a deal for Anthony Davis because that ain't it either. Um, but here's the one thing that I think we can take from all of it. Almost every day we've gotten a new report and new information. Uh, he is going to test free agency. He is going to take meetings. And it's up to the Bulls to convince him to stay. And I don't know if it's as much of a lock as it was back in, like, February. And that's something that when we started the show, we were discussing, like, hey, by the way, Bulls fans, don't forget, this summer, he can leave if he wants to. And every call we took is, why would he leave? He he wants to be in Chicago. Look at how good they are. Look, look at all the stuff the front office did for him. And we kept warning people that this is going to happen this summer. And now we are about, what, two weeks, three weeks away from that? So just, just remember that we, we were talking about this yeah. back in February. Yeah. That he is going to test free agency. And uh, I, I get that the Bulls can offer him more money. But then again, if you say he only takes a four-year deal, it means he can be a free agent again in four years. I can't so. wait. I can't wait for that Saturday morning when we find out that Zach is a is a sign and trade with Dallas, and I call you while you're walking the dog before your coffee, your hair disheveled, and I say, "Come on the podcast. Here we go, Zach traded, and you're in a dog park <laughs> talking I, to me alone with the dog about Zach moving on to Dallas." I just, I just think it's. Um, <laughs> I think uh, there's too much smoke to just assume. He's returning to the Bulls. The Bulls that's are going to have to do something to convince him to stay. That's it. That's just my prediction that he stays with Chicago. That's, that's my prediction. Now, if he wants to go elsewhere, let me be the first to tell you. If he goes someplace else, I'll, I'll hold on to this. You just don't want to be the, the alpha on a team. How about that? You don't want to be the guy, clearly. You just want to be part of the team. Yeah. Because if he goes those those cities that you mentioned, if he goes to Portland, he's not the guy. Nope. Goes to Dallas, he's not the guy. Nope. Clippers, he's not the guy. Nope. So, so you want to he's, he's not the guy in Atlanta. No. no. So if you, like, guy. if you if that's what you want to do, that's fine. And maybe being the guy is not important to you, but you can't look at DeMar DeRozan with a side eye and say, hey, I'm open. How come I'm not getting the shot? 
dude, you had a plenty of opportunities to have big shots in the Boylan administration and, and the Hoiberg administration. Well, you had opportunities, and you didn't knock those shots down. Uh, sometimes you did. Sometimes you did not. Oh, but the idea that he's got he's to be the number one option at all times with the talent around you, it's not about him all the time. It isn't. I, I wish that we could just run back audio of us talking from like two, three years ago where we just insert the clip of us saying like, hey, you, you know why the Bulls are a terrible team right now? It's because Zach Levine keeps turning the ball over in crunch time. Well, oh, no, but Jim Boylan's fault. Okay. <laughs> right. Sure. Sure it is. Who had, yeah. the one, who had the basketball in his hands? And then you laid it out. You want to know why DeMar DeRozan is taking those shots? Because he was the better player last year. Yeah. End of story. End of story. <sighs> all right. You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. You're getting really testy on your birthday. Well, I mean, listen, uh, the, the Zach stuff is just nonsensical sometimes. <laughs> You're a little testy. I mean, people, uh, su- like superstar. We spent 10 minutes talking about how they're, they're, there's only like eight superstars in the league and everyone else is up for a debate. Meanwhile, Bulls fans lust over Levine like he he's – the next greatest player since Derrick Rose in this city. That's because he is. Oh, that's our problem. <laughs> because well, I mean, look at the players since since Derrick went down. Oh, it's true. <laughs> I mean, that's because he is. And that's... Actually, it's false. It was Jimmy Butler, and they should have never traded. Oh, him. Well, look at that. All right, here we there go. go. There you go. Yep. Jimmy. No, actually, it's Dwayne Wade. That's the answer to the question. <laughs> it's busted Wade. Dwayne Wade. <laughs> it, it was Wade. No, no. Here's my question, right? Uh-oh. TNT's got a TNT's got a whole good thing going, right? Yeah. All season long, you know the the funniest sports show on TV. Yeah, Shaq and his his uh, what are they called? The blooper reels that he has. Yeah, the Shaq and the Fool. Shaq and the Fool. That's yep. right. How could I forget? Uh, their thing works. The four of them, and then the the final the conference finals come, and then they go to, to Ernie. At the desk, and Dwayne Wade just sit there. Did he invite himself in to the to the prime time booth? Did you notice that that he just showed up one day and he was just there on the desk? It just it it looked very very <laughs> cumbersome up there at the desk. I mean, there was in a his lot of people. Mock up there. turtleneck. The little desk. Yeah, that was a lot of people up there. Right, like I'm sorry, Wade. You weren't involved all year. You're off the desk. Yeah, I mean, he's supposed to be in desk two with yes. Candace Parker. Yes, and Lefko. And Lefko. Go sit with Lefko. <laughs> Lefko. I'll come you down with the booth two with, yeah. with Lefko on the Tuesday nights or whatever, right? I don't know how he got himself in there. And by the way, I don't remember the last time I want Dwayne Wade's thoughts on anything. Well, yeah. So that's that's fine. I, that's <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like, is he just trying to position himself so when Draymond comes in, when Chuck's done, that Dwayne can take over for Kenny? Is that what he's trying to do? Like, I don't understand. Like, we just, didn't, no one asked for Dwayne Wade. No, no one asked for Dwayne Wade. And, yes, he's trying to get him his, his, little, model, his little mock turtleneck. He's trying to get in a Kenny spot, but Kenny won't take the GM spot with the Kings. <laughs> They're just waiting for him to just take that front office gig, and he's still there. And mama, there goes that man. I can't get a job, but I'm still here, and I'm the last one standing on this booth. Dude. Why? Well, it's going to be. Uh, it's never happening. Well, For also, Mark Jackson, it's Van never Gundy happening. was clearly sick in game seven. No? That's a, that's a bad job by ABC to, to, and ESPN. To Green, allow. Green had COVID, and yeah. Van Gundy clearly is sick. That's a bad job. Are there not dots being connected there? 
I, you know who I felt bad for in Game 7? Mark Jones. Mark Jones, uh, he got in a, a playing uh, playing with his food reference or in his bag reference. I liked it. It was good. <laughs> it, that's He's fine. deep in his bag. I just, yeah, I understand that. He's the searching word... for the fries at the bottom of the bag. I love that call. <laughs> the, 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 the wordsmith, Mark yes. Jones. Yes, I understand that. No, the I Warriors, just... they're just playing with their food. I love that. I understand that. I just felt bad for Mark Jones to be able to be, you know, flown in in, yeah. in COVID Central uh, with with Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson didn't get the Laker job, not getting the Sacramento job. Mama, there goes that well, man. I I thought like because I was I was watching the game. I didn't I didn't see the start of the broadcast. I'm watching the game. I'm listening, and I knew the news about Breen, and I understood why Mark Jackson was on the call. Yeah, uh, Mark Jones is on the call, and I'm thinking to myself. Oh, Van Gundy must be sick, but they must have him in the hotel room on like a a line. Like because the way Van Gundy was responding was as if he wasn't sitting there. And then they go to halftime and they come back and Van Gundy's sitting in the middle of them. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, if I'm those two guys, I'm like, I get me out of here. Yeah. Are you serious? That's 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 a tough spot right there because I know that he was under the weather. I'm sure he t- I'm sure he had negative tests, but I mean, you yeah, know when yeah, you're not feeling for well. For sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, like, I, as, as we are, uh, this is what we do. We talk for a living. Like, I kind of like now that if you get sick, now you have a reason to not have to talk through being sick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's back in the day, you, you, like, had to fight through it, and it always sucked doing shows when you're sick. But you, you like, you could still do it. But now it's like, now you have the, the ability to, to not have to do it if, whatever. He should have done it in the hotel room. I agree. I just, I just thought it was, it was hysterical that I didn't know what was going on, and then they showed them on camera. I was like, "Whoa, Gundy's there!" <laughs> oh, I guess they're in Florida. <laughs> yes, that makes sense. All right, uh, fast break podcast. Thank you for downloading the podcast. Listen to Jonathan Hood each weekday morning. Cap and J Hood, our new morning show here at ESPN One Thousand Seven to Ten. AM each weekday morning right here on ESPN 1000. You can also follow Jonathan on Twitter at TweetJHood. And Black and Abdallah, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. Our e- show, evenings yeah. from 6 to 8 on ESPN 1000, nice. also on the ESPN Chicago app. And make sure that you follow Chris, uh, whose birthday is today. He's 21 again. Thank you. Uh, happy birthday to Chris Black, at Chris Black on Twitter. And we will see you next time as we can- watch the Celtics and uh, the Golden State Warriors in the finals. We'll have uh, additional audio for you throughout the uh, NBA Finals. And, of course, Chris and I will talk about what's happened here. Will Golden State win another championship and continue their dynasty? Or will the Celtics continue their legacy? Uh, you can find out either on ABC or, of course, on Winning Time. We'll find out whether or not the Celtics continue their, their dynasty <laughs> on Winning Time. I don't know. Michael Chiklis does a really good Red Arbach. Oh, I don't know. Does he? he? Does he? Have you seen Winning Time? No, I haven't. No. No? No. Seriously? No, I, I'll, I'll take the uh, I'll take the Wilbon stance. I, I don't need to watch a fictional show about something that really happened. Oh, it's just entertaining. No, yeah, yeah. I just haven't gotten to it. Oh, my God. It's, it's just entertaining. That's the thing that you love. And by the way, there's... Okay, we'll have to talk about this <laughs> off the air. But there, it is entertaining. And, you, and by the way... Make sure we mark the tape. First time that he's going to take a Wilbon stance on anything. And I love Wilbon. I understand that. It's a bunch I, of junk. I, I understand that. I'm just very surprised you take a Wilbon stance on something. Um, uh, no, it's it's really entertaining. And 
there's a Bulls bent to it as well. Oh. Because the Bulls could have been... What if the Bulls had magic? They showed that in, in Winning Time where the coin flip was there. It could have been magic or magic come to the Bulls. What would happen then if magic w- goes to the Bulls in that coin flip? Hmm. That would have been interesting, see? So it, it gets, so it's not only just the theatrical, right. but also some history involved in it as well. So it's fun. I'll check it out. No, it's fine. You don't have to. I just think it's it's. <laughs> I, I I like it's because fa- I like the old school, and I think it's fascinating. And I'm seeing Adrian Brody do a great Pat Riley, right a young the- young Riley, right? Oh, yeah, fantastic with the mustache. He wasn't sure who he was yet, and I just see him next to Alonzo Mourning now. You can see under the mask, he's just pissed. He's just seething. He want he wants Anthony Mason exhumed. He want he wants the <laughs> he, he wants bruising. He wants a fight. That's what he wants from his Heat. He wants them to be fit. Yeah, if he if he could if Ronnie was coaching, Udonis Haslam would get thirty minutes a game. He would. <laughs> he would go out he'd, there and punish the other team. Seriously, I mean, he'd get kicked out of every game, but that's what he'd want. He'd have UD out there just knocking guys out of the lane. Outstanding. All right, I'll check it out. No, you won't. But that's fine. Yeah. I just I I I'll think, say it on a show. There you go. Boom. Yeah, no, you won't watch it, but I, I think it's fascinating because it's just funny. Just the, the old school look. And John C. Riley, it's his, at his best. It really is. Thank you for the birthday thoughts, wishes. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you for listening to the Fast Break Podcast with Jonathan Hood and Chris Black. We'll talk to you soon. And Bill Simmons. Yep. So, my, so my dad, right? He's at the game, and he's just like, you know what? I just don't like this team. And I said, Dad, you're right. You know what? This, this this team just needs to be able to make some trades. That's what they need to do. I just said, you know what? It's just not a good team. Just not. Right, Rosillo? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So 